Welcome everybody to Run Jump Stomp, your thoughts on gaming. If you want to be part of the conversation, it is incredibly easy to do so. Just grab your smartphone and download the Anchor app. Once you're there, search for Run Jump Stomp, hit the star, hit that voice message button, send me a message, and I will play it on the show. With that being said, let's start off with our very first caller of the day. Before we get to the first uh, call, I want to take a moment and ask you all for a huge favor. We're coming up on the end of 2018, and with 2019 on the horizon, I'm curious, what are your favorite games of 2018? I want to know why you love those games, what you loved about them, why you think that they're better than Game X. Uh, Let me know what your favorite games are of 2018, and we'll talk about it right here on Run Jump Stomp. Hey Bill, this is Luke calling in, and I'm not sure if you're interested in esports at all, but I was just calling in to get your thoughts and opinions. Why do you think Nintendo's esports scene isn't very big with things like League of Legends and Overwatch and Rocket League that have huge followings and huge esports scenes? Do you think Nintendo would be able to do something similar with the likes of Mario Kart or Splatoon and now with the new Smash coming out? Those seems like they would make awesome esports. So curious if you have any thoughts or opinions on that. Thanks, Bill. I don't really watch esports, but at least I never set out to watch esports. However, every once in a while, I will open up Twitch and a game like Overwatch or Heroes of the Storm or something like that will be having a tournament and I will tune in and watch it. And almost every time, I enjoy watching it. Um, I think that the degree to which I enjoy watching esports depends a lot on the commentators and how good they are at explaining the nuances to a game. Like, it's not like I don't know how these games work, but I don't understand the games on the same level that somebody who would watch esports does. I don't understand them on the same level that the professional players do, and I certainly don't understand them on the same level that the commentators do. So if the commentators are able to explain things in a way that I can understand while I'm watching the show, then I tend to enjoy watching esports. Now, your question as to why Nintendo doesn't seem to jump in on esports. I can't tell you why they don't, but I can tell you why they don't succeed. Because it isn't that Nintendo never does tournaments. They do tournaments. They're they're few and far between. They're unpredictable as to when they will be. Uh, it's not like it's at the same time of year every year. Oh, here we come September. It's time for the Splatoon tournament. And here comes November. It's time for the ARMS tournament. And then here comes December, it's time for the Smash tournament. Like, if they would more regiment their release or their their schedule as to when they would be doing these tournaments, then I think that people would tune in more. More often than not, whenever I catch Nintendo doing an eSport, it's by accident. It's I didn't know that it was happening. And I'm somebody who does a Nintendo podcast, so that that's a big problem 
But that's not the real problem. That's not the real reason why Nintendo doesn't succeed in esports where others do. If you look at all of the big esports right now, they all have massive, and I mean really, really massive prize pools, like ridiculous amounts of money. And the winners, they like the, the people who are playing, they have their eye on the prize. And if there's not a big prize pool at the end, then the pro players are going to play something else. The people who can play on the level that warrants a big prize pool are always going to gravitate towards the games with the really big prize pools because they want to be able to make money doing it. It's weird that you ask this question right now because we just had a huge blow up in the Heroes of the Storm, uh, which is a MOBA from Blizzard. Uh, we had a huge blow up in the Heroes of the Storm competitive scene. Blizzard just announced that they are basically scaling back their work on Heroes of the Storm and they canceled the Heroes Global Championship for 2019. This is a really, really big tournament with large prize pools and a lot of the people who follow Heroes of the Storm are understandably upset about that because that means that all of the pro players who were planning on competing in that they won't be able to compete in that. And that means that there goes some of their livelihood. And this is going to have a domino effect where those players, the pro players who really want to make money playing that game, they're going to stop playing that game. And if they're not going to be playing that game, then they're probably not going to be streaming that game. If they're not streaming that game, then people aren't watching that game get streamed. And that means people are less likely to try out that game. This is kind of Nintendo's MO. They have a tournament every once in a while, very scattershot, and then when they do, there's no prize pool attached. It's just, hey, you won, good job, here's a cool trophy. And don't get me wrong, having a cool trophy is cool. I would love to have an awesome Smash Brothers champion trophy. Of course, I could never compete at that level, but I would, I would still love to have that on display at my house someplace. But the people who have the skills to earn a trophy like that, they want to be paid for their skills. And I don't think that that's an unreasonable expectation. I think it's perfectly reasonable for the top players to expect to be able to earn money when competing. Because I guarantee you, Nintendo earns money when they host a tournament like that. The, Okay, I can't speak specifically to Nintendo, but when esports tournaments happen, they get watched by a lot of eyeballs, and advertisers will spend a lot of money. Let me give you an example that's not necessarily esports related, but it, it gives a good analog between the gaming world and other entertainment. So this year, the Game Awards, they, this was just a couple of weeks ago, the Game Awards was shown on Twitch and YouTube and Mixer and all of the different places where you show gaming-related stuff. A ridiculous number of people watched the Game Awards. 26.2 million people watched the Game Awards this year. If you convert that to 
TV viewership and you look at a similar type of thing, let's say the Golden Globe Awards. The 2018 Golden Globe Awards was watched by 18.7 million people this year. The 2018 Oscars was watched by 26.5 million people. The Game Awards was watched by 26.2 million people. Video games draw a lot of eyeballs. And competitive video games draw a whole bunch of eyeballs as well. That means advertisers. So when you hold a tournament and you sell ads on it, you can make buckets of cash, like ridiculous amounts. And that's how these companies can afford to give these huge prize pools to the winners because they're making a ridiculous amount of money by participating in this eSport thing. So if Nintendo would do the same thing that the other companies do, then I guarantee they would clean up. It's not that their games aren't fit for the eSports scene. Splatoon is a very, very fun game to watch played. ARMS is also very fun to watch, be watched played. And I tell you what, one of the biggest games, uh, one of this could be one of the biggest games in eSports, is Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers could really be the, the number one fighting game that there is. Uh, it doesn't have complicated inputs. It's not to say that it's not a complex game, but its inputs aren't complicated. And because its, its inputs aren't complicated, people think of themselves as, hey, maybe I can get that good. You watch somebody play Street Fighter and the the crazy button combinations that they have to push in order to pull off a, a Hadouken or whatever. Like, that's a barrier to entry to a lot of people. A lot of people look at that and they say, that's amazing, I could never do that. But people watch Smash Brothers and it's it's more approachable. And the more approachable an esports style game is the more eyeballs are going to watch it because people understand what's happening better. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'll sum it up. I'll sum up my thoughts here now. Yes, I like watching esports, although I don't actively seek it out. Nintendo is completely dropping the ball when it comes to esports. They should be the front runners here. Games like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart and Mario Tennis, like these are all games that would really, really work well for esports, and they could be watched by entire families because Nintendo games tend to be family friendly. Thank you so much for calling in. Hey, Run Jump Stomp. Congrats on reviving the podcast. I think that having a community-based podcast is a great idea, and I hope that people will also share their opinions and questions. Anyway, I wanted to talk about uh, completing Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. I just completed the game yesterday, and it was a really emotional experience for me. Fun fact, it's my first Pokemon game that I've ever completed, and one of the most impactful moments for me was seeing Professor Oak say, it's been a while, but you finally are the Pokemon champion. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew, Professor Oak. It's been 20 years.
But anyway, I'm just really happy to finally have completed Pokemon uh, Yellow in this new way, and I'm glad that Game Freak made the decision to bring it back. And I really recommend the game to anyone that also hopes to relive their past and potentially redeem themselves as a true Pokemon champion. Thanks for listening. I have to be perfectly honest here. I have not touched Pokemon since uh, Smash came out, which is really too bad because it's a fantastic game. I went into uh, Pokemon Let's Go with very trepidatious feelings. I was not interested at all, especially after what I had seen at E3 and what they had put at the end of uh, directs for other games. Like they really didn't do the best job selling this game to me. What ended up selling it to me is I was watching somebody play it on Twitch and I was like, you know what? This looks really compelling. So I ended up ordering it that day. It downloaded while I was having dinner with my family and then I came upstairs and started playing it. And it is incredibly fun. I feel like Nintendo didn't do themselves well. I know it's not actually a Nintendo game. It's by Game Freak or the Pokemon Company, um, which Nintendo kind of owns. It's really strange combination of things there. But uh, they didn't do themselves any favors. First of all, scheduling it right before Smash. I I understand why they would do that. I mean, Reggie Fizame had recently said. The whole reason that we release games around this time is because that's when they sell the best. We always try and bring uh, something that can anchor the holiday season uh, to launch that holiday season off. This year, they did that with um, Mario Party. I think that came out in October. And then the the game for November was Pokemon, and the game for December, obviously, is Smash. But I feel like they, they would have done just fine having Pokemon out earlier. Now, maybe the game wasn't done yet, and that's perfectly valid reason not to put it out early. But there was a bunch of time this summer where I don't think a lot of... I won't say first-party stuff, because Pokemon's not first-party, it's second-party. But... For all intents and purposes, Pokemon is a first-party franchise for Nintendo. There wasn't a lot that came out in the summertime. And seeing as how Pokemon tends to also be a game that lots of kids get into, having lots of time off would have been really beneficial. Kids would have jumped right in. And they wouldn't have been distracted by Smash. Now, there's also a very good argument to be said that these two games serve very different audiences. And I just happened to cross over in both of those audiences, which is not something that I saw coming. Pokemon is for one type of gamer and Smash is for another type of gamer. And it just so happens that those two types of gamers really overlap a lot. So right now, while Smash is the new hotness, I probably won't be playing Pokemon anytime soon, but I'm certainly not giving up on it. I want to keep catching them all. I want to try and get 
a shiny dex. Um, it, it's it's a very different experience of gameplay. The difference between Smash and Pokemon. Smash is intense and focused. You don't play that game to relax. Whereas Pokemon, it is an incredibly relaxing game. So, I suppose that once the newness, like the hot newness of Smash wears off, I'll probably bounce back and forth between those two for quite a long time, depending on my mood. If I want to relax, I'll play Pokemon. And if I want to uh, have intense competition, then I'll probably play Smash. And I, I, I know that there is competitiveness in Pokemon, but... I don't understand most of it because I really have not played many Pokemon games and I've played none of them competitively. Like, I may have participated in three battles total in my lifetime in Pokemon, so most of that is lost on me. Uh, I'm sure that there are people out there who are currently on their 300th uh, catch combo so that they can get the perfect, uh, perfect stats on their shiny Jigglypuff or whatever. Uh, that's not me. I just want to get the, I just want to catch them all because I find that fun. Uh, I don't worry too much about the IVs or the EVs or the AVs or the UVs, whatever they are, all the Vs. I'm not interested. Uh, but anyway, thank you for calling in. Congrats on being the Pokemon champion that we all knew you could be. Hey, Bill, my name is Mike. I'm calling from Toronto, and I wanted to ask you a question about gaming accessibility. My son, Luke, he's amazing. He's five years old and he's on the autism spectrum. He was diagnosed about a year and a half ago. And Mario Kart and Mario Odyssey particularly are a couple of games that have allowed him to step into the gaming world in a way that allows him to embrace it at his own pace. Now, of course, I'd, autism is a very dynamic realm and I wouldn't dare say that what's worked for him would work for any other child on the spectrum. But it leads me to believe that uh, if we can find ways to improve on gaming accessibility, that it would help kids further, like my son. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I love all of your podcasts. I think you're doing great work. Keep it up. Thanks. First off, you say Mario funny, but that's beside the point. When you say accessibility, the first thing that jumps to my mind is specific controllers that are designed for people who can't reliably use a more traditional controller. Kind of like what Microsoft recently put out with the Xbox, that big thing with the two giant buttons and the big D-pad on it, with all the ports in the back so you could plug in different things to allow people with uh, in those situations to be able to interact with a game in the way that is most comfortable for them. I mean, there are entire charities devoted to making games more accessible in that way, but not in the way that you are talking about. And that's too bad. A lot of times games are designed around a story or around a gameplay mechanic, but there's not a lot of games that are designed around a goal of helping people develop 
interpersonal skills or things like that. And I think that's a shame. I think we're probably a long way off that kind of thing happening. I mean, there are certainly some games that do that, and I think that's why the Game Awards recently created the uh, the Games for Impact Award, whereas it, like Celeste was kind of designed around the idea of dealing with depression. And even in their acceptance speech, they said if Celeste helped you with your depression, then that's on you because you did that. The game didn't really do it for you. Uh, all of the all of the improvement of your of you happened because you did it. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, games. It, it is possible for somebody to make video games to help kids develop empathy skills uh, and things like that. But a lot of times that kind of content just doesn't get created because it's too hard to sell. What I think would be really amazing is if there were developers that figured out, hey, if you do this, it, it helps kids develop this part of the brain in order to uh, get better at uh, problem X. Uh, and then they shared that with other developers so that even if a game is being made built around a story or around a gameplay mechanic, it could still have these particular things built in in order to have the parts needed in order to make that game more accessible and to help kids like your son in the way that you described. I think that that would be amazing. I think we are a long way off because most of the decisions that get made are made by guys in suits who they have a bottom line and they have shareholders that they have to make sure that they maximize profits for. And that makes it really, really tough for somebody to uh, take a risk on something like what you and I are talking about here. That being said, this is the, the heyday for independent games. The accessibility, not in the way that we've been talking about, but the availability of easy to use game engines that are easily that, that allow games to be easily ported from one system to another. That means that people can use these easily available game engines to make whatever their heart desires. So perhaps you could work on making something yourself and perhaps someday you'll be standing up on the stage at the game awards uh, thanking everybody because you helped make a game that helps kids with autism. Wouldn't that be rad? Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. Big thank you to everybody who sent in a question, a comment, or an idea. If you want to uh, be part of the show, all you have to do is use the Anchor app, Send your idea. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be about old games. It can be about new games. It can be about anything in the gaming industry. Tell me what you're excited about. Ask me questions what you want to know about. Let's talk about video games here on Run Jump Stomp. Thank you again. Use that Anchor app and be part of the show. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.